Jesus is teaching the people using a parable. Now, a parable is a physical story that has a parallel spiritual meaning. We may not always understand a spiritual truth. But when you take a physical truth that everyone basically understands, then, and you lay that down and they say, okay, I understand that, like the story of the lady with the lost coin. And Jesus used that to show the lady's excitement when she found the lost coin. She laid down, uh, I'm sorry, he laid down, Jesus laid down a physical story, a human story, and then he gave parallel spiritual application. So it's a parable, and that's what a parable is. It's a story that lays down a physical truth and then makes a parallel spiritual application. And Jesus here in Matthew 13 gives the first of what is called, what are called the kingdom parables. And uh, he tells the parable of the sower. He said, a sower went forth to sow. And if you could get this picture in your mind, it'll help you to understand the message. Okay? When I was a boy, and uh, behind my grandmother's house, about five minutes away from our house, there was more than a half an acre that my father and my uncle and my, my, their father, my grandfather when he was alive, Joe Vasek Sr., uh, would uh, may have a, a very large vegetable garden there every year. And so on any given day, my father would be up working in the garden that was up at my grandparents' house, uh, or if I had the chance, go up there and work with them. So I learned a lot about gardening as a boy when I was four, five, six, seven years old and older than that. Now, my picture of sowing a seed is to take the, the uh, handle end of uh, the rake or a hoe, whatever you have, a shovel, and so flipping it over and using it to, uh, well, first you, you, put, uh, you put a string down with a couple of sticks from here, and I would say a row of beans might go about as twice as long as this platform, and you put one end of the ground here, the other end where you want it with a string in between, and then you use that string as a guide as you uh, take that, that uh, uh, handle end and you put pressure down on it and you run it down all along that line from one end to the other, and the depth of that little uh, row there would depend on what you were planning, planting. And so then you would take the string up or maybe leave it there, whatever, and then you would take those, say, bean seeds, and you would drop them two or three and then two or three, and then all the way down you would drop these beans, and then you'd go back and you would cover it over, and your row of beans has been planted there. That's my image of sowing a seed. Different seeds had different. We never grew tomatoes from seed. We always bought those tomato plants and transplanted them into the garden. We grew uh, cucumbers from seed. Cucumbers are probably my favorite vegetable. I love them. Uh, vegetable to eat raw. And uh, cucumber and squash, the way we did those was we would make a mound about this big and about, uh, I would say, two or three inches high. We would take the, the rake or the hoe to make a mound and then make it uh, around, about this big around, about this high. Uh, and then we would grow the cucumber plants or the squash plants or zucchini uh, all, all right together there 
cucumber, squash, zucchini, and, uh, put, and make holes in the top of that mound. And that's where we would put that. We grew corn and carrots and beets and peas and this great plant called kohlrabi. How many of you know what kohlrabi is? And we, my father would make cream kohlrabi. That was awesome. And so anyway, we did peppers. And uh, did I mention corn? There were rows of corn that ran all along the back of the garden. And that was great. And uh, boy, what are we having for lunch? I'd like some corn on the cob, just thinking about it. But that's my picture of planting seeds. That's not what this guy's doing. This guy is planting wheat. And the way he's doing it is he's got a pouch over his shoulder. So it's a pouch here with a, with, a, with a shoulder strap, just, you know, something real simple out of like burlap or something like that, nothing fancy. But it's, it's a pouch with a shoulder strap, and he's got a, the pouch full of seed over here. And he's just walking through the seed, taking a handful and scattering it, more like, like you might do if you didn't have some sort of a... Uh, a thing to push you might do with grass seed. I mean, you were planting grass seed in the front yard after you had the septic tank replaced or something, and uh, they put the topsoil down and rake it out real nice, and then you just take grass seed and scatter it. And uh, similar thing right here. He's just taking a handful of seed and scattering it. Handful of seed, scattering. He's walking, handful of seed, scatter it. Handful of seed, scatter By the way, that's what we did yesterday, the Danbury Blitz. Just taking a seed and scattering, taking a seed and scatter, taking a seed and scatter. That's what this guy's doing. It. The sower went forth to sow. All right, so there's the picture in your head. I hope you'll continue to picture that as I try to explain it to you a little bit. I want you to understand that the primary application of this story was for Israel. All right, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is presented as the king of the Jews. And I want you to understand that there would come a point in the book of Acts where the Jews would reject the Savior. In fact, I think I could show you in the book of Acts on three different occasions where they rejected the Father, rejected the Son, and rejected the Holy Spirit. But they would reject later Israel as a country. Now, we're not talking about individuals. One of the, one of the big misunderstandings that people have about the doctrine of election is they look at what the Bible says about election and apply it to individuals when the Bible is clearly talking about groups of people. You read Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, and if you read it as, as if he's talking about individuals, you're going to get real confused. But if you look carefully and understand, he's talking about uh, Jacob and Esau. Those are more than just people. Those are nations. God choosing the descendants of Esau versus the descendants of Jacob. And we're going to be getting to that in, on Wednesday night, probably in about three months from now, maybe six months from now. But anyway, what I'm saying to you, though, is before Jesus died and rose again, he had come to the nation of Israel. And Matthew especially is, is the... Gospel that is written to the Jews, and Jesus is presented as king of the Jews. So as you read the gospel of Matthew, you have to take into account the things that Jesus is saying. He's saying to the Jews, giving them their fair chance to accept him. But ultimately, as a nation, now a lot of Jews got saved. It's not an individual thing, but as a nation, they reject him. 
But read Matthew 13 with Jesus as being the sower and the ground being various groups of people. And the nation of Israel rejecting the Messiah was wayside ground and so forth. You read it in that light, it, it paints a different picture. I believe that's the primary application of this story, but it doesn't mean there's nothing in there for us. There is a secondary application that is very, very important. So let's talk about that secondary ap- application. To understand this secondary application for the New Testament church, you really only need to know two things. Number one, the seed is the Word of God. And number two, the ground is the heart of man. If you know those two things, then that parable is pretty much going to make sense to you. Let's talk about that. There is, in, for, for lack of a better word, it's, it's nature, it's God, but we'll use the word magic here, if you don't mind. If you understand, I don't really mean abracadabra magic. There is magic in every seed. I remember being amazed again and again that, first of all, (laughs) these are the thoughts of a little kid that have clearly stuck with me. It would seem to me if part of what's in that seed is going to go down and make the roots and another part is going to go up and break through the ground and make a plant, (laughs) It would seem to me that it would matter that you make sure not to put the seed in upside down, right? Yet inside that seed, inside that seed are who knows how many millions of other beings. And that seed knows as soon as it rots and the ground rots that shell, it knows what to do. There's a miracle in every seed. Just amazing. I'm not sure if there's anything that amazes me more than an acorn, especially having the oak tree that crushed both of our cars in in one stride and took out a corner of our house in one fall. All that from a little acorn. But a mighty oak tree. By the way, for those of you that burn wood, the contractor just said the other day, he said, man, he said, we probably got 20 cords left we got to get rid of. And so uh, if, we could, if somebody wants it, we could figure out where I can put it. Now, he's only going to cut it into logs. You're going to have to do the rest. But a little commercial there. Um, but it's not for sale. Just take it. He, he wants to get rid of it. Um, but all that from a little acorn. You look at an acorn. When we first got Theo, which is uh, two years ago, Right about now, probably two years ago, next week, I guess. And uh, it was Halloween night, I remember, October 31st. I remember very clearly that we took him out for a while. He was so, he was like that at this point. And he goes out in the front lawn, and because of these, we're surrounded by oak trees. There's always acorns in our yard. And he, he got one, and he swallowed it. And he's hacking. He's, <coughs> he's a little puppy, you know. <coughs> Oh, it was horrible. And I'm, I pulled off the side of the road, and I'm sticking my finger down his throat trying to get it out, and uh, it was terrible. We wound up at midnight in uh, Newtown, 
There is a 24-hour animal emergency room. The closest one to that is there's another one. I think it's either in Bedford or Katona. Uh, and so you can pick which direction you want to drive there. And, uh, but, but this egg corn. So this little tiny egg corn was, was choking our, our puppy to death. And um, I think there's times Amy wishes it would have. But anyway, um, that wasn't fair, was it? That was not fair at all. But... And yet inside of that acorn is this massive tree big enough to crush two cars and part of a house. It sounds like a commercial, like, yeah, small enough to choke a puppy, but big enough to crush two cars and part of a house. Anyway, it's just amazing, though. Have you ever looked at it and said, how can there be an oak tree inside of there? How can there be apple trees inside of that little seed? You, you get that apple. You say, why are you taking so long on this? Because I want you to think. You get that apple down to its core. My favorite apple is Granny Smith. How many of you like Granny Smith apples? Oh, yeah. Uh, Granny Smith apples. Get it down to the core, and you take one. And I did this a few years ago. If you remember, maybe on my journey with me, uh, I dried them out. Actually, no, I didn't dry them out. I, put it, I followed a YouTube video, put them in the refrigerator downstairs, and I potted them in my office downstairs, and I had them growing. And then we went out of town for something, and I lost the battle, and all my little apple trees died. But it's just fascinating to me, little, little seed at the, at, at, in the core of an apple, that there's other apples in there, and there's other apple trees in there. I'm saying there's magic. Let's go with miracle. How about that? There's a miracle in every seed. Every kind of seed on the planet, there is a miracle in every seed. All right, so why did I spend so long talking about a seed and the miracle that's inside? Because here is the big statement of the morning. Whatever it took for you to get ready and come to church this morning, this is it right here. Now, the Spirit of God may have something different for you, but as far as my preparation, here's the big statement of the morning. You ready for this? When the heart of a human being receives the Word of God, big things happen. That's true today. That's true tomorrow when you open your Bible. That's true tomorrow afternoon when you turn off whatever else you're listening to and you put those earbuds in and you listen to a preaching podcast and there's a lot of good ones out there that you would enjoy. That's true when you come to church and you hear the Word of God preached or taught. When the heart of a human being receives the Word of God, big things happen. And that's one of the great things that's happening in this parable of a sower, of the sower. And that is for us to learn that when the heart of a human being receives the Word of God, big things happen. Some Bible examples. The heart of Abraham received the Word of God, and the nation of Israel was born. The heart of Moses received the word of God and God's people were delivered from slavery in Egypt in an event that is talked about to this day by people who don't even know or believe the Bible. You hear people that don't even believe in God say, well, that would take a Red Sea miracle. How did the Red Sea miracle happen? Moses' heart received the word of God. David received 
the word of God. His heart received the word of God, and he became one of the greatest kings in world history. Saul of Tarsus, his heart received the word of God, and he was transformed from a murderer to the greatest missionary and preacher in the history of the New Testament church. Because his heart received the word of God. When the heart of a human being receives the word of God, big things happen. And that's true for you. One of our great failures is, as, as Christians is we underestimate the effect that the Word of God can have in our lives. When a human heart receives the Word of God, big things happen. Now, this parable gives us four kinds of hearts. Now, we've had this discuss- the discussion in times past about, well, which of those in the parable represents somebody getting saved? And to be honest with you, I believe with the stony heart, the thorny heart, and the good heart, I think all three of those got saved on the basis that the seed produced life. And I believe the seed producing life represents a person getting saved. But let's go past just applying this to salvation. When the word of God, I'm sorry, when the human heart receives the word of God, big things happen. And we're not just talking about hearing it like something goes in one ear and out the other. No, your heart has to receive it. That means your heart is open to it. That means you hear it, but you you let it in. You let it impact you. Receiving is a big word there. When a human heart receives the word of God, big things happen. So Jesus tells us about four kinds of hearts here. You're saying, yes, you had, your heart had to receive the word of God in order for you to get saved. But your heart has to receive the word of God every single day of your life. It's more than just reading three chapters and putting a check mark. It's about your heart receiving the word of God. If you get done with those three chapters and nothing has happened yet, read a fourth. Read a fifth. Go to another book. Read somewhere else that God may have something for you that day. Or sometimes you begin, you set out to read three chapters in your Bible. And on the first verse, bang, God says, I got something for you in the first verse. So, man, that woke me up. Yeah, you need to let God's word wake you up every day. You need for your heart to receive the word of God every single day. Four kinds of hearts Jesus tells us about. He tells us first about the wayside heart. He said some seed fell by the wayside. The wayside heart is the heart that's too far from God to receive the seed. The wayside heart, I mean, look, there's folks out there that they don't want anything to do with God's word. Yesterday, we were walking down the street, and Will and Rain and myself were walking down the, the street, and there's a guy out there, and uh, I don't, he, he had a bike, and the bike was pulling a cart, and he had some get-up on, and it was, it was something. He had bumper stickers on the cart. Uh, he was, so we walked up, and I said the same thing I said at every single door. Hi, my name is Joe. This is Will. This is Rain, and we're from Northeast Baptist Church, and that's as far as I got. And he right away started in with, with some planned response that was meant to. He goes, you have a church? 
Now, I wouldn't say that way, but that's the way he asked it. So I said, yes, you own a church. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, here we go. He was, he was waiting for me. And uh, no matter how I tried to be gracious, I tried to be. And, and uh, he, he starts in with, uh, you know, you didn't even give me a chance to tell me what I believe. You just start telling me what you believe. I said, go ahead, sir. Tell me what you believe. Well, that's not the point. You didn't ask me when you walked up. I said, you didn't let me finish. And then he started going. I said, you know what? You're not going to hear anything I've got to say. I appreciate your time. God bless you. We walked away, and, and he's all, yeah, I thought so. Like, okay, yeah, all right. God bless you, man. Have a good day. That's somebody by the wayside. They're so far away. They don't want to hear what God has to say. They've got their answers ready. And by the way, maybe it's because they've been hurt in life. Maybe it's because somebody who claimed to be a Christian treated them poorly. It may be. But for whatever reason, their heart is way out on the wayside. The word of God is not going to reach them until they decide to draw an eye to him. There's the wayside heart. Then there's the stony heart. Now, Again, I believe that the stony heart of guy got saved here because the seed took root and life sprang forth. But then because his heart was, was uh, hard, there was stone just under the surface. So did you ever go to, to dig in a spot? You put the shovel, and the shovel only goes down about that far because underneath the soil, there's rock right there. And that's the stony-hearted person. Yeah, there was enough soil there to receive the seed, and it springs up, but it doesn't take root. And so when the sun gets hot, the roots don't have the resources it needs, and the plant dries up. Now, I don't believe it's teaching losing your salvation or anything. I just think that it's talking about your faith can't thrive if your heart is hard. So you may have just enough of a good heart to get saved, but you'll never grow because you're too stubborn for the seed to take strong root. You'll only let the word of God go so far in your life. I'll trust Jesus to take me to heaven, but hey, if we're going to talk about these other subjects, that's different and God's word can't go there. So the strong stony heart is too stubborn for the seed to take strong root. And then there's the thorny heart. And that's the heart that's too cluttered for the seed to grow in a healthy way. That one does take root, and that one does begin to grow. But nobody has come to weed in that area. And so there's, there's weeds and there's thorns. And, boy, I remember the big challenge as a six-year-old was to make sure I pulled the weeds without pulling the plants. And, uh, boy, I'd get in trouble. Not big trouble, but it was probably more I was scared than, than actually I got in trouble. But, you know, you reach down, you accidentally pull out one of the one, and you go, oh, oh, put that back in there, put the dirt on, maybe nobody will know. But you had to weed around those plants or it was going to choke the life out of them. They weren't going to thrive. And that's another kind of heart, the thorny heart. Good ground, but you don't, you don't weed. Listen, if you're going to be healthy as a Christian, you got to weed stuff out. I don't care what the, what the new gracers say. New gracer meaning people who think grace means there's no such thing as sin. You can do what you want. That's error. That's false. There's stuff you got to weed out. And this parable is one more evidence of that, that if you let the cares of this life and the, the attraction of, of, monetary, uh, of materialism clutter your life along with anything else that might clutter your life, entertainment. Fun, friends, it can all clutter your life so that it chokes the good plant. 
And you can never be a strong, healthy Christian. But then there's the good heart. And that's the soft and tender earth. That's the perfect ground where the seed can go in there. It can take root. It can grow. It can thrive. Now, back to the statement. And we're, we're real close to being done. We really are. Honestly, I don't think the message is going to last five more minutes even. But when the heart of a human being receives the word of God, big things happen. If you didn't write that down, I would encourage you to write it down. When the heart of a human being receives the word of God, big things happen. On the basis of that truth, if I want God to use his word to do big things in my life, I've got to keep my heart good ground. See, you can be good ground today and by Wednesday be thorny ground. You could be good ground today and this time next week be stony ground. It's your job and my job if we want to be healthy, if we want to be strong, if we want to thrive spiritually to keep our heart good ground. Let me give you some, some suggestions on what, how I think you can do that. First of all, you've got to keep your heart cultivated by constant prayer. There's some prayers that you ought to lift up to God as often as you can, such as, God, show me the way. Show me the way. You say, well, I'm not lost right now in, in my life. I'm in a good, show me. I still need to know God's way. I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't want to assume, hey, I got this. I'm good. No, I want it to be cultivated. Every year, probably in about, uh, I guess, March or early April, depending on how the winter was and when it ended, my father would borrow a plow. Many of my uncles, both on my mother's and father's side, first of all, they lived right in the same stretch of street right there on the Brewster-North Salem border. But uh, um, three of my uncles owned a Ford 8N. And I've always wanted one. They're, they're just this little tractor that made, I think, in the late 40s, early 50s. And they were just so versatile and, and uh, great. So, so my father would go to his brother Bob and, and uh, borrow that, that Ford 8N tractor with the plow in the back. And he lived right down the road from, from the garden. And so uh, we'd get it and we would drive it down there and he would plow the field. And then after he plowed the field, because by spring, it had overgrown in the, in the fall, and there was, you know, roots and weeds that had taken, uh, grown there. So he would plow it up. But now you've got big clods of dirt. So after you plow it, next we bring out that magic machine, the rototiller. And uh, rototiller just had these, these te- they probably was, the, the whole thing was this big around, but there were maybe four rows of those with these teeth that would take the plowed ground and break it down even further into much smaller clods where the next step, and by the way, these steps took hours and hours each. And uh, the rototiller, you, you walked behind that like a lawnmower. That thing could throw you around if you weren't big enough, which I wasn't when I was eight. And so you use the rototiller, and then when you're done with the rototiller, you bring out the rake or the hoe, which either one, and you smooth it out. And by the time you've gone through the plow, the rototiller, by the way, sometimes 
not that you need to know this. Sometimes uh, dad wouldn't get the plow. He'd get something called a harrow. How many of you know what a harrow is with those big discs? I guess down south they call it disc. We, we disced it. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to disc it. But anyway, um, in fact, I said, wrote a, I, said, uh, I said harrow to Brother Ray one time who was a southerner through and through. And he said, what's a harrow? And I said, uh, disc. He said, oh, okay, all right. And so anyway, sometimes dad would disc it instead of the harrow. And um, why all this, Pastor? Because this is how much work it takes to get well-cultivated ground. Ground where you can take the end of the rake and just run it through that soft dirt. And that soft dirt was ready to receive that seed. And it could grow. If you tried to do it without plowing it, tilling it, raking it, you weren't going to have very good vegetables, maybe none at all. It takes a lot of focus on a daily basis. The focus of prayer, constant prayer, Lord, show me. God, show me the way. God, show me the way. Cultivated by constant prayer. Secondly, water with tears of praise. Watered with tears of praise. You know, we make the big mistake of underestimating the importance of worship. Can I say this? We spend at least the first 15 minutes of every Sunday just singing praise to God. That's why we have the choir sing it again sometimes because our hearts aren't in it. And if your heart's not here, you're not ready for the word to take root. And so we worship, we praise the Lord. But listen, don't let your worship just be the first 15 or 20 or 30 minutes of church on Sunday morning. You should worship the Lord at your house. You ought to go places sometimes and just get alone and, and come to tears when you think about how awesome and great God is. Cultivated by constant prayer, watered with tears of praise. And last of all, if the word is going to take root in your heart and make big things happen in your life, then you've got to make sure your heart is always accessible to the word. There's no way that the word can take root in your heart on a daily basis if you go all day and don't hear the word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You've got to be in the Bible. You've got to let the Bible get in you. And so you've got whatever. We're talking about daily Bible reading. We're talking about Bible study. We're talking about Bible memorization. I told my class, my Sunday school class this morning, that uh, one of the greatest things I did as a teenager is because people encouraged me to do so. I memorized large passages. I memorized scripture by the chapter. Now, I didn't memorize 50 chapters. I may have only memorized a dozen, but I want to tell you they helped me to this day cultivate, I'm sorry, uh, accessible to the word. How can the word of God do big things in your heart if you're, if the Bible doesn't have access to your heart? That's why church is so important. You're getting things right now. You say, well, I can read the Bible on my own. Great attitude there, by the way. But yes, you can. But listen, you got something this morning that because the pastor, by the grace of God, sought the Lord Not that you couldn't have seen this same truth on your own, but there's some, okay, there's a big difference, isn't there, between when you make a meal for yourself and someone else makes a meal for you. If I always cooked for myself, it'd be peanut butter toast and fried eggs and bacon all the time because that's my specialty. That's my one and only specialty. 
But when someone else, man, when, when, uh, uh, when I sit at a table and my wife has made the meal, it tastes so much better. Why? Because she made things that either I didn't know how to make or I wouldn't have thought to take or I wouldn't have taken the energy and the effort to make. And then what about reading and listening to prayer? I tell you, if you're not a reader, you're really handicapping yourself spiritually. Because there are Christians who have lived before you who can tell you great things about the Bible and about the Lord. And then also, I I throw this out every time I get the chance, and that is that there are some great podcasts out there. If you don't know what a podcast is, that's fine. But if you you listen to podcasts, if you have a smartphone, you have access to free podcasts. There's a little icon uh, on my phone has always been purple. It may be different colors, but I think it says I uh, podcast right under there and you can go in there and you can search uh, 10 minutes a day. And my mind's drawn a blank. What's the what's the preacher I'm looking for that used to be president of crown? Scott Pauley, Scott Pauley, 10 minutes a day. In, in the word, and it will bless your hearts five days a week. And if you subscribe, it automatically downloads. And then once you listen, it automatically deletes itself. Now, the one warning I have to give about podcasts, if, if you let them pile up without either listening to them or deleting them, it will eat up the memory on your phone. But uh, be careful, but subscribe. Uh, I, would, I would urge you to, to subscribe to Pastor Johnny Pope. Um, and men like that, others I could give you, and you listen to them, and they bless your heart, and they give you doctrine, and it strengthens you. If your heart is going to receive the word, it's got to have access to the word. I read to you again the statement, we're all done, that when the heart of a human being receives the word of God, big things happen. You know, big things are not going to happen on their own in your life. You got to make things, just like a good garden is not going to happen on our, we went to one door yesterday and there is these big, massive flowers just hang, just tall, taller than I was hanging over the fence. And right away I knew that that didn't just happen by accident. Somebody cultivated that. Somebody had some miracle grow. Somebody was, was working it and watering these things. And the same thing is true. If you're going to thrive spiritually, it doesn't just happen. You've got to make it work. You've got to cultivate it with constant prayer. You've got to water it with tears of praise. And you've got to make sure your heart is, is accessible to the word of God so that your heart can stay good ground so God can make big things happen in your heart. Let's stand this morning. We'll close. Father, I thank you for the power of the word of God.